Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Walters would love to host your next event. Go to waltersdc.com and click on private events to get in touch with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to the belt. He fires. Swing at a chopper third base side. It's under the glove of the reaching Candelario and down the line. Renifo racing for third. He's going to be waved in. Call's going to throw it from foul territory. It's cut off by Abrams as Renifo slides in. It's 4-1 LA. Swing at a line drive up the middle. Base hit center field. Coming home to score is Call. Thomas behind him. He will score. Jamer Candelario has tied the game with a two-run single here in the fourth inning. Now the 1-2. Swinging a ground ball, softly hit to the second baseman where Hifo has it. Little sideways flip to second for one on to first safe, but coming home is Smith. He's going to score. How about that? The first baseman fell asleep. Jury just held the ball. Smith kept on running, and the Nationals lead 6-4. to four. And now the pitch. He struck him out swinging the fastball at 97 miles an hour. And a curly W's in the books here in Anaheim. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, April 11, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California, and who had quite the travel experience on Monday. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The Nats late night on Monday night had a manager in Davey Martinez who was so sick, he wasn't serving as manager. Uh, he actually was watching the game from his office, was receiving IV treatment. The Nats late night on Monday night were down 4-1 through three innings. But the Nats late night on Monday night won. They won for a third time in four games, improved to 4-7, and seven, a 6-4 win at the Los Angeles Angels in game one of a three-game series. The Nats bullpen was outstanding. The Nats offense in typical 2023 <laughs> Nats fashion, singles happy. 12 of the Nats' 14 hits in the game were singles, but the Nationals won. Mark, the Nats have won Three of four. Not bad for a rebuilding team. And the two losses, remember, Al, were each by one run. One of them a blown game, but both of them were blown leads. You had the one nothing loss in uh, Coors Field in the opening day there. I mean, they very well could be uh, 5-0 and on this road trip. That's not like an overstatement to suggest that that would be possible. They're playing a particular brand of baseball. I think we, 11 games in, kind of know what their identity is. And it may not be the typical identity you expect from a Major League Baseball team in 2023. But you know what? 
when they execute it right, <laughs> it's actually a lot of fun to watch. And this was a fun game for me to watch, and I, I hope for fans to watch as well. That was a well-played and fun kind of victory for a team that's starting to find its identity, I think, here a couple weeks into the season. Before we go any further, we do want to make a special announcement regarding this podcast. Our new website is live, natschatpodcast.com. Yes, the pod. That was a website, natschatpodcast.com. You know, you can find all kinds of things on the internet. You now can find this podcast on the internet with its own site. Do with that what you will. But natschatpodcast.com is live. Episodes of the podcast, merchandise of the podcast, ways to connect with us here on the podcast. It's all right there. One-stop shop, natschatpodcast.com. You know, I think we have a saying, or at least we will now, Nats Chat Podcast, it's not just a show, it's a way of life. And we now have a website to sort of back that up. So enjoy the website. We are all inclusive. We are, we come at you from every possible angle. At this point, if you are not in with us, I don't know what else there is. I don't know what else we can do to try to get you in with us, Al. We give you quality every morning after a game. We give you a website. We give you merchandise. I think we got something brewing here, just like maybe the Nationals have something brewing. It's a little unconventional, but it's working. I think it's working for us, and it may be working for the Nationals. That's right. Don't judge the process. Just judge the results. Exactly. That's Uh, right. Well, listen, man, it's not often we start with the Nats bullpen when we're breaking down a game. I think this game warrants that. I don't think we can say enough about how great the Nats bullpen was on Monday night. This was a Patrick Corbin started game. It was, you know, your typical Patrick Corbin outing. You know, he wasn't like horrendous in the game, but, you know, four runs in five innings. We can get to Corbin a little bit later on. But four Nats relievers in this game end up combining for four scoreless and hitless innings with five strikeouts. And the star of the game in terms of what he did, although he was far from just like the only reliever who stood out, Hunter Harvey. How about Hunter Harvey? So, Mason Thompson was the first reliever utilized in this game by the Nats. Bottom of the six, he faced three batters. He issued a leadoff hit by pitch, but then recorded two outs. The Nats acting manager, Tim Bogar, the bench coach, who I would think was operating from orders from Davey Martinez in the back. Maybe you can shed light on that. Hunter Harvey comes into the game, bottom of the six, with a runner on second, two outs. The Nats nursing a 5-4 lead and the great Mike Trout at the plate. So this is a big-time matchup, right? Harvey versus Trout with a man in scoring position. Nats up by one. And Harvey struck out Trout swinging on six pitches. The set for Harvey. The payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Blew him away with a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. Hunter Harvey here at Angel Stadium strikes out Mike Trout to strand the tying run at second. What a moment. For the Nationals' young right-hander, Hunter Harvey. The last of which was a four-seam fastball that came in at 98.3 miles per hour per stat cast. Harvey then tossed a scoreless bottom of the seventh that included striking out Shohei Otani on three pitches to begin that bottom of the seventh. Then we got Carl Edwards Jr., a perfect bottom of the eighth with two strikeouts. And then we got Kyle Finnegan, who, you know, just a week or so ago was struggling. Last few outings, he's looked better. Finnegan late night on Monday night, perfect bottom of the ninth, including striking out Mike Trout on five pitches to end the game. What a job by the Nats bullpen on Monday night. It really was so impressive. And it's the results, but it's also who was doing it, who they were doing it against. 
and how they went about it. And what I loved about, and, and I'm even going to include Corbin in this because I think it does tie in the way they went after Trout and Otani in this game. I loved it. They weren't dancing around at all. They were not afraid to go after two of the very best, maybe the two best players in the game. And collectively, they held those guys. They went 0 for 7 with one walk and five strikeouts, Trout and Otani combined. And I agree, the Hunter Harvey at-bats were the biggest of them. That was a moment a long time coming. Hunter Harvey had been waiting for that moment for a long time. We all have been waiting for that moment for a long time to really see this guy in peak health and top form come in to face some really good hitters in a big spot. And he delivered by just going right after them. Uh, the trout at bat, there's a couple of curveballs thrown in, but he got him on a fastball in 98. And the Otani at bat, three straight fastballs. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. That was big time stuff from a guy with a big time arm. And I think it probably meant a little extra to him that it happened at Angel Stadium where his father, Brian Harvey, was once the closer. So you could tell this one meant something to Hunter. We are seeing a guy finally realizing his full potential because he's been healthy, but also because he's been effective. And that's been a cool thing to see happen before our eyes. He is really turning into something special. You know, we have been critical of the Nats and justifiably so for not maximizing talent. And, you know, we will see guys struggle with the Nats and then go elsewhere and do well. Austin Voth last season is an example of that. You know, I think a lot of people right now are seeing what Nelson Cruz is doing and saying to themselves, what the heck happened with that guy with this team last season? Let's give the Nats some credit here. Hunter Harvey for them has been very good. And knock on wood, he for the most part has stayed healthy. Now, I almost didn't even want to say that because we know this guy's injury history. But with the Orioles, this guy was hurt all of the time. Now, when he pitched, he was all right. But, you know, he never came close to realizing his potential with them in large part due to injury. But Hunter Harvey now for the Nationals over these last two regular seasons, a combined 44 and two-thirds innings. So the Nats are getting some mileage out of him. 48 strikeouts over those 44 and two-thirds innings. You know, no one has ever questioned the stuff, but it is special stuff. I mean, routinely, 97, 98, and the ability to go right at Trout and then come back the next inning, go right at Otani. Struck out Otani on three pitches to begin that next inning. He is a talent. It's always been about his health, but a salute to the Nats because they're doing a good job of managing his health and of getting production out of him. Yeah. And you remember the other night he had that real quick half an inning, you know, a couple outs and we said, well, hey, why don't you bring him back? Well, they do have to be a little careful with him. And it allowed him maybe to be able to do that in this one where he gets the strike out of Trout on six pitches. And now he gets to come back to pitch the seventh and got through all of that, got four really big outs on 18 pitches. So I think that was significant. I want to talk about the bullpen management in this game. And I know you said Tim Bogart maybe taking his orders from Davey behind the scenes. I don't know if that was true or not. I, Davey was pretty out of it from what I could tell. He was really not feeling well. He was asleep most of the afternoon, did not come out for BP. Like you said, was getting IVs. I think he watched the game from his office. We never actually really even saw him firsthand. I think there were some moves in this game that Either they had mapped it out beforehand or Tim Bogar, with some help from Jim Hickey in the moment, was making some decisions that really paid off. The first was pulling Corbin after the fifth inning. He's at 86 pitches. He had just had a real quick fifth inning, and I could have seen them putting him back out to start the sixth. And instead, he decided, nope, let's leave it there. And I thought Bogar's explanation made a lot of sense. He said, as tempting as that might have been, 
if you're going to put him out there for the sixth and then pull him after he puts somebody on base, now you're asking a reliever to take over an inning that's not clean. I really like that philosophy. You got five innings out of Corbin. You had a lead. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Let's let Mason Thompson have a clean inning to start with. So it begins with that. And then it was clear he had Hunter Harvey warming right from the get-go. Mason Thompson was going to face three batters, whether he got them out or not. Once Trout came up, that was going to be Hunter Harvey's hitter. And no matter what happened there, whether the inning was over or not, he was also going to face Otani. It turned out it was the next inning as well. So kudos to however that was all mapped out and came about, whether it's Bogar himself, Hickey helping out, or even if Davey was managing from behind the scenes in some way. I really liked the way they went about that. They had it planned clearly and maximized their best arms in the biggest spots against the best hitters. That's all you can ask for. I think when you're trying to set up bullpen usage, it may not always work out, but you put your guys in the best possible situation, your best pitchers against their best hitters. It worked to perfection in this game. The results were tremendous. So great job all around by the Nats in that regard with Patrick Corbin on Monday night. So like I said, four runs in five innings, he gave up seven hits, a homer, a double and five singles, issued three walks, had three strikeouts. Bottom of the first gave up two runs on two singles and two walks, including a two-out bases-loaded two-run opposite field single by Luis Renjifo to right field. Bottom of the third, two runs on a leadoff homer by Hunter Renfro to center, a one-out opposite field single by Renjifo to right center, and a one-out RBI double by Gio Urshela down the third baseline on an 0-2 pitch. Like I said, for the most part, typical Corbin. I will say this, though. Four runs over the first three innings, scoreless bottom of the fourth, scoreless bottom of the fifth. He at least was able to kind of sort of salvage the outing to where, you know, he gave you five innings and that's needed some length from him. And, you know, kind of like the Chad Cool start from the other day, you were in position to be competitive in the game and ultimately in this instance, win the game. Like, you know, you weren't wrecked. And I know it's a low bar, but that's where we are with Corbin. But after those first three innings for him to put up zeros in the fourth and fifth, I thought that that was key. Yeah, I mean, he retired one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the last nine batters he faced. So he did right the ship there because it was not going well. This looked like a really bad Patrick Corbin start. The irony, of course, he was actually getting Trout and Otani out. He just couldn't get anybody else out. And so, yeah, I thought this was going to be a short one for him. So he got through the third with a couple of outs. He got through the fourth and then the really quick fifth. I think that was good for him. And I think, you know, I talked about the decision to pull him. I think there's also something to be said for letting him leave on a high note. They held the lead. Now, whether they were going to hold on to the rest of the night, you don't know. But in the end, because of that, he was in position to earn the win. And I know how much you care about pitchers' wins. And Patrick Corbin got one. He's one and two now on the season, despite an ERA that I think is in the sevens at the moment. Look, we have to set the expectation bar low on him now. And that's fine. Don't treat him like he's a number one starter. Don't treat him like he's number two or number three. He's the back of the rotation. He's a five starter for them. If you can get five innings and he gives your team a chance, keeps him competitive in the game, then that's a success in my book. Well, as we record this near the 2 a.m. Eastern hour, Monday night into Tuesday morning, I know that I can sleep well knowing that Patrick Corbin got the win on Monday night. So thank you Very good. <laughs> for making Very good. that clear. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Capert Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat's chat sponsor, Mason Kalfis, and his team 
specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfas has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Even in the quote-unquote slow first quarter of 2023, Mason Kalfas worked with three different lawyers who doubled the compensation their previous law firms were paying those lawyers. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. He is Scott Boris-like when it comes to law firm partner contracts, and Mason Kalfas will negotiate you a new and better contract today. Call Mason today at 202 486 3535. That number again, 202 486 3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swinging a ground ball right side through past the diving first baseman Drury and into right field. Rounding third is Smith coming home. The throw will go toward third and be cut off by the shortstop Fletcher on the infield grass. C.J. Abrams comes through with a single to right to get the Nationals on the board. Robles stopping at second. It's now Los Angeles two and Washington one. So the Nationals offense, I mean, we know the deal, right? This team does not hit for power, I guess, save for a a four-game series at the Colorado Rockies. But how about what was on display late night on Monday night? The Nats scored six runs on 14 hits and two walks. Twelve of the 14 hits were singles. But, you know, it can be when you do what you do, not so much what you do. And uh, five of 15 with runners in scoring position. The Nats in this game... Got some big hits. He had something like the Jamer Candelario two-run single. Candelario in this game, two for five, two-run single, and another single. He had an ads, three-run fourth, had a two-out, two-run single to center to tie the game at four. We had more production from Victor Robles. This is so good to see. Victor with more, not just production, but also impressive plate appearances. He on Monday night, two for three with two singles and an RBI fielder's choice grounder. He also went one for one on stolen bases. But you look at the singles, Robles in an ads one run second, a two out single to left field on an 0-2 pitch on a great piece of hitting, just like poking the ball into left field. 
And then Robles in an ads one run fifth, a one out full count opposite field single to right field. Boy, it feels like he's using the opposite field a lot this year as compared to in previous years. Your updated Victor Robles numbers here for this regular season batting average of 412 on base percentage of 487. Joey Manessis was back out there two for five with a double and a single. You know, Dominic Smith isn't hitting for power, but I think he's giving you some good at-bats. He's getting on base two for four with a couple of leadoff singles in this game and a walk. So, you know, the lack of power remains, no doubt. But the Nats are hitting here and certainly racked up a number of hits in this game on Monday night. Yeah, I want to talk about a few things here. One, Robles' two-strike approach. It is night and day with what we've seen from in the past. He's spreading out, he's keeping his hands low, and he's just looking to get the bat on the ball. And it's such an improvement and such a difference. He had both hits with two strikes. And the other one, it was not officially a hit because he had to hit the ground ball. But one of the big things in this game, and it happened from him and it happened from C.J. Abrams, hustling down the line to prevent an inning-ending double play. And by doing that, they end up scoring a run as a result. Abrams did it in the fifth, allowing Cabert Ruiz to score from third. And my favorite moment of the night in the seventh, Robles hits it to second. They try to turn the double play. He busts it down the line and beats it out. And Dom Smith rounds third and keeps going. And they didn't even attempt to throw him out. He scores what was a big insurance run. Dom was talking about how that has happened to him before as a first baseman. He's been on the wrong end of that. And so he kind of understands how you can catch him by surprise. Props to Gary DeSarcina. We don't credit him enough when things go well. Read that very well, waved him around. This is how they have to score runs, okay? They have to manufacture it. And that's a way you can do it. Yes, there's singles and timely hits, but sometimes it's just good old-fashioned hustle and paying attention to what's going on in the game. And I love that moment from them tonight. Dominic Smith has a batting average of 314 and on-base percentage of 400. He's been good. That's have gotten uh, some good work out of him so far here. Alex Cole continues to do some nice things as he continues to bat high up in the order. Alex Cole on Monday night once again was the Nats' number one batter. And, you know, you mentioned some of the defensive issues for the Angels. You also had in that three-run fourth, Lane Thomas, a two-out RBI infield single on which the Angels' second baseman, Luis Ranjifo, committed a throwing error. You know, you think about what we've seen so far from the Nats this season. I know the defense hasn't always been perfect, especially in the outfield with the battles with the Sun Monster. But, like, how many truly costly defensive miscues have there been? We've seen with the Rockies, and then we saw with the Angels on Monday night, defensive screw-ups that lead to run scoring, sometimes directly to run scoring. The Nats, to their credit, have not been guilty of many, if any, of those so far this season. Yeah, I mean, the things that are out of their control, like the sun monster balls, it it hurt them the other day and it has several times. C.J. Abrams on opening day, obviously, but since then, he has been very good. Jamer Candelario has been outstanding, dare I say, at third base. He had another one of those charging in plays, bare hand scoop, throw to first. He had another quick reaction play as well. Dom Smith is saving errors at first base, which is exactly what you want from a first baseman. I've really liked the way they've played in their infield basically since opening day. You throw that one out and ever since then they've been outstanding. And aside from the sun balls, I think the outfield has done well as well. And they are taking advantage of other teams making mistakes in the field. And look, if you're going to be a high contact team, you put pressure on the defense, you have to hope that that actually pays off. And we've seen this week with the Rockies and the Angels, it has paid off. All right. So Michael Chavis was the national starting second baseman on Monday night. We're now a few games into this of Luis Garcia not playing. 
We were told this wasn't serious. Is that still the feeling? Might he be back out there on Tuesday night? Where are we with him and that hamstring? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I watched him earlier in the afternoon out in the outfield running. He wasn't running at a full 100%, but he had he looked all right doing it. And I think it was purposely they weren't trying to go all out. He also took some BP on the field. I wonder if, you know, they were facing another lefty in this game. So kind of an easy decision not to start him. Against Otani, a guy with a great fastball, Luis is a good fastball hitter. I would think if he's close to ready, I think they would let him play on Tuesday night, and that could be interesting to see how he handles that. The issue here is that Ildemaro Vargas also is nursing a bad shoulder. He jammed his shoulder, left shoulder, making a diving play the previous day in Colorado. And while he finished the game, he admitted that it was still pretty sore and he was having trouble lifting his arm all the way up and like even catches, reaching to catch a ball with his left hand. Uh, so he was going to talk to some doctors today. And uh, my hunch would be if anything happened to Chavis on Monday night, that Garcia might have been more likely to replace him than Vargas. Clearly, they don't believe either one is that serious or else they would have made an IL move and brought in another player. But I think the tell will be Tuesday. If Garcia is in the lineup against Otani, I think everything is good. If not, maybe you start to get a little more concerned about it. And you mentioned who the Angels starting pitcher on Tuesday night will be. It is a Josiah Gray night for the Nationals. So that is a very enticing pitching matchup. Josiah Gray and Shohei Otani. And boy, wouldn't it be lovely to see Josiah Gray pitch well once again. But obviously, going to be hard to have 14 hits in a game started by Otani. Although, who knows? The Nats, you know, they are hitting better here these last few games. So we'll see what goes down. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Everyone loves a smart investment, especially right now, and there is no better place to put your money right now than in your home. If your home is 20 years old or older, Window Nation has the perfect offer for you. Get 0% financing for five years. This is unheard of, zero interest for five years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Protect and increase the value of your home today. Get this special deal. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You can save up to 30% on your energy bills. You can increase the value of your home by up to $12,000 and you can pay zero interest for five years and get two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. There is no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and then save thousands of dollars on your energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, zero interest for five years plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, NatChat listeners, Tim Shovers here, producer of the podcast, to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to these shouldn't be stressful. That's why you should look into the game time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, GameTime offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, 
and job loss protection. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. The 1-0, a soft line drive right side toward the hole. Rage going to cut it off. Ranjifo, he juggles, he throws to first. It's too late. Gets by the first baseman. Chavis has scored. Call racing for third. And Thomas for second as the ball picked up by Ohapi behind the plate. And the Nationals have a run on the board. Thomas ends up at second. The score now 4-2. Tell us about your travels on Monday. That was quite the tale, at least from your tweet, uh, that we were able to sort of gather here, what you went through from a traveling perspective on Monday. Well, it should have been a nice, simple day. Wake up early. I was up at 5 a.m. in Denver. Take the Uber ride out to uh, Denver Airport, which is basically in Nebraska, for an 8 a.m. flight. Should have been a quick, easy flight. Land in Orange County at 9.30 and plenty of time to check in the hotel and just relax before having to come to the ballpark. And everything is going smoothly. We're probably about a half an hour away from landing. We're starting our descent. We're somewhere over Death Valley, I think. And the pilot comes on and says, unfortunately, there's fog in Orange County. And so the visibility is low and they're having to prevent planes from landing. And they actually could have landed just off their instruments, but something involving a construction crane at the airport that was up in the air and was a danger to flights trying to land, especially when you can't see very well in the low visibility. And so they were preventing any flights from landing. So we circle around for a little while before they finally realize we're about out of fuel. We're going to have to land somewhere else. So he tells us we're going to land in Ontario. And uh, I'm sure others, including my colleague, Andrew Golden from the Washington Post, who was on the flight as well, got very confused and thought we were crossing international borders and landing in Toronto. No, there's an Ontario, California, actually. It's not that far away, east of LA. And we land there. And now I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? This isn't that bad, actually. It's about a 45-minute drive from Ontario to Anaheim. Maybe I can just get off the plane here, change my rental car, pick it up here, and just drive to Anaheim. I could have done that if I wanted to. The problem is my luggage would not have accompanied me because they were required to keep the luggage on the plane and the continuation of the flight to ultimately get to Orange County. So it wasn't going to do me a lot of good to come to Anaheim and not have my clothes with me. So I decided, all right, I'll stick it out. I'll wait. Two and a half hours later, we finally take off from Ontario and I timed it. I kept track of my watch on my calculator on my phone. Take off to landing, wheels up to wheels down, Ontario to Orange County, nine minutes. I took a nine minute flight. I don't even want to know how much money it cost United Airlines to make that flight, (laughs) how much fuel, how much everything else they had to do to make that flight. Nine minutes, and we landed at Orange County, got our luggage, got the rental car, and made it back in time just to uh, quickly shower, change, eat lunch, and come to the ballpark. Planes, trains, and automobiles starring Mark Zuckerman on Monday, (laughs) April 10th. Quite the tale. But you know what? I guess with as much as you have to travel, that these things, these horror stories don't happen more often. I I guess you could kind of spin that and say, well, that's a positive, right? That if you only have one or two of these over the course of a season, you know, it could be a lot worse. 
definitely over two decades of this have had plenty and, and worse than this. I mean, look, I, I've been stranded in places I didn't want to be stranded for the night. So thank God that was not an issue here. I was just a little late, didn't miss the game, didn't miss, you know, getting to the ballpark or anything like that. But that was a new one though. Fogged in, unable to land because of a crane. And then the nine minute flight, I'm pretty confident I can say that that's the shortest flight I've ever been on. I've been on a lot of flights in my life. That has got to be the shortest one by far. Yeah. I mean, if there's a pitch clock system for flights, that's that's about <laughs> as short as you're going to get, man. Nine minutes. But you made it and the Nationals won. And it was uh, a pretty interesting game to see. What a job by that Nats bullpen late night on Monday night. If you stayed up, you were rewarded. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast natschatpodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast, email Tim Shovers at natschatpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our new website, natschatpodcast.com. Get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to our new website, natschatpodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit TimNewmark.com, and Newmark is spelled N-E-U-M-A-R-K. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Al feel a touch the other way on the dangerous left-handed hitter, the 0-2. Strike three called at the knees, 98 over the inside corner, and Hunter Harvey has struck out MVPs in consecutive innings. Trout in the sixth, Otani in the seventh.